Well, okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there today. It's Ground Pod Day, our annual podcast where we talk about the classic film Groundhog Day, as we've been doing annually for as long as any of us can remember, and we will do until we stop podcasting. <laughs> I'm Joe right. Dorowski. I'm Christopher Maverick. <laughs> I'm Andrew Dorowski. I'm Nicole Fryman. Thank you so much for joining us on Ground Pod Day. I don't know if this ends when we're done podcasting. I think I think the only way out of this is to learn to the kill. meaning of life. Oh, I was going to say to kill the groundhog. Um, <laughs> well, that didn't work. <laughs> it depends on where you're at in the loop. <laughs> we, thought, we can try that, Mav. I don't feel great about it working. I thought the meaning of life was don't drive angry. Well, don't right? do that either. When when he's telling the when he's telling Groundhog that you know don't yeah. drive angry. It's, that's that's the real takeaway from this movie. That's what you've got, Nicole. <laughs> it's um, it's like that's like the the microcosm mm-hmm. of what the whole movie really is about is don't live angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, very deep there. I think we solved it. I mean, two minutes <laughs> in this year, and uh, <laughs> I think we can wrap it up. Damn, well, we're I good. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't you never really wrap up. I mean, it, like I mean, like last year, you know. I think there's a lot to talk about besides just. I mean, we've all seen the movie a million times. We, you know, we podcast about it every day. We've been doing that for a million years. Or, oh, actually, it's the 30th anniversary. So I guess we've been doing this for 30 years now. Is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 30 yes, years that we've been doing this show began, every. Yeah, we we started releasing a Ground Pod Day episode. <laughs> yes. Every year. <laughs> and, you know, and we always have more to say than just like, I mean, yes, it's a wonderful movie. We all love the movie. We all know it's about, you know, the meaning of life or something. I mean, I, like, I, you know, I feel like I change my mind every time I watch it as to what it's really about. But I think there's more to say than just, yeah, okay, solved it. <laughs> well, I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, what gave us the concept of doing an annual podcast on the same movie, which was producer Andrew. You told me about the McElroy brothers and uh, two other podcasters mm-hmm. doing right. this project with a film they hated. And I thought that's kind of a fun idea, but maybe we should do a film that's good. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah so they have been discussing Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 mm-hmm. oh, every year for Thanksgiving for like seven years now. Oh, wow. And they, they have to rewatch the film it's... and uh, come on the podcast and share their, their reactions to watching what I believe at this point is, for them, the worst film ever made. <laughs> they're, they're not thrilled with the opportunity to, to revisit it. Now, it's so it's the McElroy brothers and it's the guys from a podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time. I believe mm-hmm. their original premise was watching and discussing a movie every week for an entire year that was mm-hmm. like their Same their movie. original action yeah i think it was um it was like daddy daycare and <laughs> then sex in the city 2 as a film like like so they're they're you know they pioneered uh rewatching ad nauseum mm-hmm. <laughs> for for podcasting let's just say not the greatest media that's ever been produced is, is what they go. They're like they're choosing something that's deliberately right. maybe not at the top of people's favorite film lists. Right. Mm-hmm. No. And the, the macros do some interesting work with it because quite often, like one of them will do something different each year uh, as he watches it. Uh, so, so one of them has, has watched it in French 
with subtitles in English. Um, one of them watched it while listening to Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, wow. Does it line up? So, uh, I mean, I think under the right circumstances, you're going to find connections no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and those circumstances, circumstances involve weed. I was yeah, going to say, the much. circumstances might not be just the music and the movie. There might be additional <laughs> circumstances. Fair. Um, you know, you, but like you can find meaning. Well, I, I mean, to be fair, American studies is all about like forming whatever argument you want and backing <laughs> it up. And it's like, and it's pretty nebulous. So it's not like people are going to say, no, you're wrong. Because you can just oh. say, well, no, they absolutely will say no. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned but, that no matter what I yeah, say, people, people will say it, but like, <laughs> but you're not. That's what I learned in college. It's like they people can say you're right or wrong, wrong, but yeah. I mean, when I was when I was in college doing American study stuff, I one of my professors, um, his he, he preferred to like his his real specialty was like race in the '60s in in media. Uh, mm-hmm. But he also liked to say, he's like, I am a big fan of archipelagic studies, by which he meant I really like Lost and Gilligan's Island. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to call that archipelagic studies. But we. It feels like Moby did... Dick needs to be in there, but okay. Hmm. I guess there's no island but, or Robinson Crusoe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah like Treasure Treasure Island. You could get <laughs> other things into the archipelagic umbrella. Yeah, yeah. But it's starting uh, with Lost and Gilligan. I got it. Yeah. And so we did. <laughs> For for the college class about, you know, American studies and like it was like intro to American studies. So, it was, you know, OK, how do you do American studies papers and all that sort of stuff? And it was we watched part of an episode of Gilligan's Island and we would just kind of pause it randomly and be like, OK, let's dissect. <laughs> and okay. so like so we're like pausing in this moment. And one of many sequences, I'm sure, where Ginger is trying to seduce Gilligan Uh mm-hmm. And we're just like, okay, we're paused, we're dissecting, we're like, okay, well, on Gilligan's side of the frame, there's a white flower, and on Ginger's side of the flame, there's a red flower, and maybe there's some sort of meaning behind all of that about innocence and and seduction and passion, and and we're like, probably that was not framed very intentionally, mm-hmm. but we can't prove that it wasn't, <laughs> and the argument holds water. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, say, say, whatever, say whatever you want and uh, no one can prove you wrong right but I just want to give a shout out to the podcast called what, oh, Till what, Death Do Us Blart yes Till Death Do Us yeah. Blart because their mm-hmm. goal is to podcast every Thanksgiving about Paul Blart 2 no Paul Blart what is Mall the Cop 2 Mall, Mall Cop 2 until they die no, this... at, at, at which point the mantle must be passed on oh <laughs> Oh, it's like a curse for the whole family. <laughs> but as I was saying, that is what inspired me to think we should do one episode of a podcast annually. But let's do it on something that we don't hate ourselves for having to watch. Right. And right. naturally, like, I land we, on Groundhog Day. Makes you want to come back next year. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I also, you know, I, I wanted to give a shout out to, and I don't know this person at all, but there is the, there's the, the blog, The Groundhog Day Project. Um, mm-hmm. by um by Robert E. G. Black, who did a four phase project, and phase one was he watched Groundhog Day every day for a year and blogged about it, and then once a month ev- after that, and then phase two he did other movies and he watched them every day for seven days straight, and then phase three he did just you know a movie one once a day, um, 
And then de- phase four, deconstructing my childhood movie experience one movie at a time. <laughs> um, but he but he seems to have given up the project. On, say, um, did he just become a podcaster? Because that sure sounds that phase this four. sounds a lot so, like yeah. podcasting. Yeah, it does. But it was but he was doing his blogging and then he sort of um, he sort of disappeared from the blog project um, in 2020. So I don't know if like I don't know if COVID got him or what, but I think we should try to track him down. Just to, as someone who's probably seen this movie more than anybody, you know, we should track him down for, you know, for next year's show and try to try to see if we can get him to to be involved. So, um, and I do it, it was know that. A, it, mm-hmm. Oh, but, go ahead. No, it was just it was just a. I had just um I I was you know doing research for for the show for today for this for this year's show and I ran across him. So we should we should definitely look for him next year. Yeah, and I know that also in the heyday of the movies by minute movement of podcasting there was a groundhog minute that Mm -hmm. analyzed one minute of a time of i think i was on that i was on that one uh Hmm. i'm trying to double check the names of the hosts Uh, yeah we we, i I think we were on it separately yeah uh so that that exists out there uh in the ether um but one reason that my mind immediately went to groundhog day is this is my favorite movie uh when when like asked like what's your favorite movie i think most of us have like a pile of movies this one is always Mm -hmm. at the top of my pile Um, I consider it to be one of like those perfect movies that just achieves exactly what it's trying to do. (laughs) And, uh, so that's why I chose this now, um, as part of this project, since we're going to be doing this from here until the end of, of time, I thought it might also be useful for our listeners to just like, give us some like landmark of where we're at in our lives and our relationship with Groundhog Day right now. (laughs) (laughs) Because this will this will change. Uh, so I'm just going to say at, at this moment, I've got four kids. Uh, the oldest is 13. And I am working as a visiting professor in an English department. And I used How, how to, long have you been visiting that department? Well, as an adjunct, I was there for a while. and But visiting is full time, but not in the tenure track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is such a weird yeah, set of yeah, terminology. No, no, no one outside of academia needs to know those details. <laughs> nor will they really process them she's like wait what (laughs) um so that's that's where i'm at and uh groundhog day i i remember it watching it probably when i was like 12 or 13 and just immediately like i I couldn't stop thinking about it then and i don't think i've ever stopped thinking about it since (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's where i'm at uh nicole where are you at well um i'm i'm a tenured associate professor at uh, Southwestern Oregon Community College. And uh, my relationship with Groundhog Day is, uh, is, is long and storied since um, I think I'm the oldest of the group. So, you know, I saw it back in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> um, mine was definitely VHS. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I had, I form, I formulated an early theory about what happened to, uh, to uh to him which i i know i've discussed on on previous podcasts but maybe i'll go into it again uh later oh yeah we all we we all do we we do other podcasts but um so or do you mean like on this podcast that we've talked about before on this podcast okay okay, i I want to relieve any listeners i'm just gonna go ahead and relieve any listeners who think this (laughs) this is the first time we're doing this but we do plan to keep going but i know some some listeners like wait there's been past ground mouth is the one saying we've been doing it every year there in the stream if you look you will find infinite numbers of this app of this show has been going on for millions of years that's my story that, i'm sticking to it 
I was yeah, yeah. I was backing you up there, Mav. <laughs> yeah. I th- uh, I think it's just fair at, at a 30 year anniversary to you know let everyone come in clean. Okay, it's right, it's yeah. so daunting to if this, re-listen. If this is your first time <laughs> listening to the <this> show, <laughs> I mean, Mav just wanted to do like the full Andy Kaufman performance art, uh, <laughs> and I just think that that may confuse some people. Okay, I just fine. Want to get them relief we'll now. just pretend this is this is brand new. We're starting from yeah, scratch. Sure. There, oh yeah, there you go. Yes, this is We're a pretending. soft reboot. It's for the sake of the listeners, of the, of the on, on the 30th anniversary, yes. uh, Mav, what uh, what about you? Where are you at? What's your Groundhog Day situation? Uh, okay, so I am <laughs> I am a teaching assistant professor or, or assistant teaching. I can't remember which order they gave me. I believe I'm teaching assistant <laughs> professor <laughs> at the University of Pittsburgh, um, which is just because to to you know tie into Joe's point about what these titles mean outside of academia it means i'm not a visiting professor but i'm also not tenure track um it's like being a visiting professor but i'm not visiting. (laughs) and we actually do have visiting professors at my university and i'm not one of them i'm teaching it it is so bizarre and academia makes no sense um but i work for the digital narrative and interaction design program inside of the english department where i do a lot of pop culture studies and stuff and um i also saw this in the theaters back in i believe this was 1993 93 yes yeah and so i was in college um i guess i was in my sophomore year and um and i you know I, i i that's when i saw it um i like this film a lot um i like quirky time travel um movies uh a lot and, and stories um as listeners who've heard us me talk about this before on the show will know some of my favorite t- science fiction or is i like high fantasy high science fiction high concept where no one does anything with the science or concept but instead you just kind of go let's take this concept and now let's do an intense character study of what people are like inside of this you know fantastic world but i don't you know uh, this, like i'm this the guy for who, you yeah, yeah, I love when you know I love a good superhero story where where no one uses their powers. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I, you know, show me deep deep in space sci-fi, and then just watch people have dinner. That's what I want to do. Like, you know, a nice little you know romantic love story between two characters who happen to be in the depths of, of space. That's what I'm looking for. So I love that about Groundhog's Day. Like, do we get uh, you know, Nicole? You talked about having ideas about what caused it to happen what caused the time loop to happen what got us out of the time loop never cared i've never cared what what caused it or what got what got them out i just want to see it and then i go huh well let's talk about how he's grown and let's talk about his relationship yeah. and, and like that's that's what i'm that's what i'm interested in so this movie is perfect for me <laughs> all right and andrew uh i well i am not a professor uh <laughs> For a second, I thought I'd come in and be like, "I'm a groundhog," and, <laughs> and that would be that's, my that's my full Andy Kaufman on us. Uh, but no, so so not a professor. I technically I, I I'm involved in human resources uh, industry, and I do a bit of podcasting, like a a bit. A, <laughs> You're the not, only person who does more podcasting than me that I know. <laughs> like I don't know if I want to say like a significant amount of podcasting. Uh, but like about as much podcasting as probably anybody's going to do for not money. 
<laughs> and for not not their full time job, right? Yeah, there's, there's yeah. full time podcaster. There's us, the hobbyists. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, uh, roughly about as much as a hobbyist podcaster does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not the, right. not the most most because we know some people, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's like it's up there. Yeah. Uh, Nicole, do you want to share your theory of of Groundhog Day? <laughs> well, I remember when I when I watched it way back when, right? There's a couple of scenes where the bartender is sort of giving these little I, knowing looks. Can I just agree with you right there? There you go. Is the bartender <laughs> God? The bartender might that, be God. I don't know that I thought that it was necessarily God, but I because. I'm very into mythology, so I would probably be mm. more apt to go with like trickster. Okay, but mm-hmm. um, but that's the thing I remember, you know, way back then thinking that. And when I was re I rewatched it again uh, uh, yesterday, I was thinking I don't know if those looks are as significant as I thought they were, but but they're still there. They they are there, and it feels. It feels like something. There's enough. Yes. There's enough to to build a theory on. Mm-hmm. I one of the reasons that I that I go with with like capital G God in that in that case and not like a trickster is because of the old man sequence. At mm-hmm. one point, the old man acts as though he recognizes him, as though somehow dying and coming back gives him extra loop knowledge. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. Because, because it like he seems like he he recognizes him. He's like, I remember you, and I don't think it's from handing him the money, right? But but it's like okay, the old man through the afterlife is somehow locked into one, maybe the most horrific state of anybody mm-hmm. in this film is that yes. he's, he's he gonna, dies, every, dies day every day for mm-hmm. the entirety mm-hmm. of this, and there's nothing mm-hmm. that can be done about it. And then he has to come back, and so he's not like. He's being deprived of eternal rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but He's, but it's like he has some sort of additional right. knowledge for for that or from from that experience. Well, he's the he's the Prometheus. He's the the one being chained to the rock and having his liver eaten every day. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we do know that there are a few other people who are suffering some tragic fates until Bill Murray intervenes. But uh, they are well, able who? to be safe. There's, there's, I mean, the, 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 the kid is going to break his leg. Die. Yeah, the, the, the kid's gonna. The, the guy gonna, chokes on steak, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and the kid um, falls out of the tree. They're both having a rough go of it until uh, Phil Phil's gonna get his act together. Mm-hmm. So, the, okay, I mean, so a flat tire is not die. too much trouble, right? Uh, but you presume the steak. I think the he'll kid die. in the steak. Well, I mean, I mean someone else I don't might know about have known the kind of maneuver. Okay, the so guy getting left at the altar because the, the I was the gonna, I was gonna yeah Michael Shannon Michael Shannon's got a rough day until he gets his WrestleMania tickets. Mm-hmm. Every well, time, wouldn't that perk you up too? It is wild that that's Michael Shannon in an early role. I know. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, next to the guy who chokes on the steak is a woman who doesn't get her cigarette lit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking through his I mean, optimal day. And yeah, like, yeah, I was just saying, as, there's as a, a few former smokers. I mean, the old that's... man definitely <laughs> has the worst time loop. 
Where I, yeah, but she's but she's second, right? Like she like yeah. certainly before the kid with the broken leg. <laughs> I don't know. It is weird that that is in there though. It is that is an odd choice. Yeah, just. <laughs> Uh, who knows what happens at the bachelor auction without <laughs> without him there? Mm. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of money. Bachelor race, I don't think still gone on without. <laughs> yeah. would, would the bachelor's auction have happened? Were there to be a death by choking earlier in the oh, day? Oh, that's true. The host of the bachelor auction would otherwise be dead. I mean, the whole right. town might just shut down. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, I I once listened to a podcast. Um. I think I think it was from the show called Plumbing the Death Star, which was just absurd pop culture questions. But they tried to figure, okay, how much damage could you do in a Groundhog Day? Like, ha- how quickly can you get, like, the military to bomb a town? <laughs> Ooh. Was, like, what they ultimately came down to. It's like, could we get the military to bomb this town? Yes. Can we cause so much havoc that in less that. than 24 hours... Mm-hmm. We can we can get like nuclear ordinance involved. Oh my goodness! This is this is. I'm so glad we're doing this podcast. <laughs> and, I, I, and, and and that's a whole separate podcast. But that was their questions like how how much damage can your Groundhog Day get to? Like how big can your Groundhog Day get? Mm-hmm. And um, that I, was like their their suggestions. Like okay, the can we get military engagement with Punxsutawney? <laughs> I think you can. So I so I actually have a theory. Go on, and, and Matt. What, well, okay. So 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 I'm a as I said I'm I'm a big fan of these high concept movies where it's mostly about you know thinking and relationship and not about the concept at all. But the concept does matter. So we know in Groundhog Day, um, we know that his knowledge maintains, and he can, for instance, make Nancy fall in love with him. Like, we only see him talk to Nancy once, but I presume he might have talked to her several times in order to go mm-hmm. get her, this woman he's never met before, because otherwise the school thing would have come up. And we know um, we know with Rita, he's trying over and over again. He's like, all right, I got to remember what kind of ice cream she likes. I got to remember what drink she so likes. I we remember. just mentally insert multiple days there. Right. So he's well, done, he's done the dates day. multiple times. We also know that he can um rob the bank every day to get the money to afford piano lessons and convince the piano teacher oh it's my first piano lesson but i'm just a little better every day right so mm-hmm. my presumption is you call in um a nuclear threat to the pentagon on the first day and it gets you nowhere but if you've got an infinite number of days to where each day, each time you can be you can more convincingly say Hey, I'm Russia, Iran, wherever. You, just find, you, know, the what, right right, you find the right panic buttons to push. Mm-hmm. Right. And like it might take you, it might take you a million tries. But mm-hmm. I my belief is sooner or later you would get the right combination of of things to do to escalate through the entire military system to have a credible threat on that day. And there's been lots of lots of articles written about like how many millions of years is he trapped in this loop in order to get the you know the amount of skills that he that he mm-hmm. possesses in order like he's he's doing ice sculpture but also he's doing like with his hand he's making snow globe sculptures of of human beings like just in a park like randomly so that takes a lot of practice you know like like yeah. I so I I presume that you could get there. Um, I want like one of my even uh, if it's just like I've, 
with enough time just calling in random words to, I mean, <laughs> right. to the pedagogue. At that point, we're hitting the monkeys on a typewriter argument. Yeah. yeah. And, yes. and, and, yes. You know, that's like, yeah, I guess. Theoretically, with eternity, then everything will happen at least once. Mm-hmm. Well, so there's a – I mean, can we talk a little bit about, about Groundhog Day-style movies? Because because Groundhog Day is just sort of a genre mm-hmm. now, and mm-hmm. there's a movie that I uh, that I adore called Palm Springs, which came out a couple years ago, um, with Andy Sandberg and Chris and Kristen Mil- Milati, I think that's how she pronounces her last name, um, and they're trapped in the time loop. And when she decides she wants to get out, um, she starts like she has a theory that there must be some scientific way to break through this time loop, right? So she calls, she does a, a web search. And she calls this um, this theoretical physicist and explains the problem to him and says, all right, now you need to teach me enough to do this. He's like, I cannot teach you that in one day. She's like, but I've got eternity, right? So every day she calls him and just starts with, you know, she's got here's the notes in at. her head. Yeah, here's where I'm at. And, and so every day she can get a little further to where, like, long as she can convince him that she's in a time loop she can get a little further along this problem by always bringing him um, the notes from where, from where they are. Um, So my presumption is if you can do that with science, you can do it with, you know, geo geopolitics, (laughs) I guess. I'm convinced with, by by Mav's argument. Yeah. I mean, it would be weird though. Cause, cause at least so in the, in, in Palm Springs, the guy she's calling is in on it once once she lets him know right like you'd have to be like if you're trying to get them to bomb the town you have to be trickier i guess you know but mm-hmm. i think you could probably but, do it but yeah yeah over over time mm-hmm. you can make something happen i right. hope it's not your first try that would be alarming oh yeah that would be terrifying <laughs> <but>. <laughs> or not because he gets he just resets in the morning i guess but yeah but but he'd start to have some major questions about the military <laughs> You wake up Those the next questions day. I don't want to. That's answer. all it took. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like three shots. It's like <laughs> uh, another question if, I had. It. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Mav. Also, I'm curious if other people have. Do you have other favorite Groundhog Day style movies? Because so that was the like, Palm Springs. I really enjoy, but also I'm a big fan of Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day Two, both of which use this concept. Oh. And there's an episode of the TV show Legends of Tomorrow that uses this concept. Like the mm-hmm. the Groundhog Day as a concept is just you know it's it it's a it is just a fictional like, trope now. Yeah, I like I like Edge of Tomorrow. I not I, I know not everybody mm-hmm. does, but I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Edge of Tomorrow. It's, I think it's rock solid. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. And it's, uh, the, I mean, the title that stupid. one, of should have course. Gone with the original di- title. The, yeah, the original title was <laughs> Live, yeah. Die, Live, Die, Repeat. Live, Die, Repeat. Live, Die, Repeat is much mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, I think one of the, the differences, obviously, with that one is that there's an explanation for the loop. Mm-hmm. Right. Which we don't, which we don't always, we don't always get. But I like the fact that. I like the fact that there's somebody who was in on it and then lost it. Mm-hmm. Right? How how Emily yeah, Blunt's character, I, like, you know, mm-hmm. had it, and so she understands um, that that to me sort of put a little extra twist on it, that it's a thing that it is something that that you want that you need, right? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. you 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 miss when it's gone, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I read the first issue of the new fantastic four 
a couple weeks ago, and that mm. has a Groundhog Day uh, town hmm. where the Thing and and Alicia go into a town, and they say, "Hang on, something's up. This town's stuck in like 1947, and something's going on. And and now we're here, and we're superheroes, so we have to fix it. Like we have to figure out what's going on and like free these people." Mm-hmm. Uh, and so part of it is is just spending time figuring out okay what's going on who's causing this why why is this happening like who's affecting it they they find the person then they have to spend time sorting it out and uh, and all of that and then mm-hmm. you know they they resolve it and move on which is it's just really nice and well done in a single issue of a comic book and so that that's on my mind right now because it's so recent Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking earlier today about uh, a a sample set that we actually do get to experience of this, which is video games. Mm-hmm. Joseph, oh, how many times have Joseph? How mm-hmm. many times have you done the beginning of any of the Mario games? I mean, from from the original NES, I I literally could not tell you. You know, I had that as a child, and uh, the the original Super Mario Brothers. It's it, just so it, much. It has to be in the hundreds that I, I played the opening uh, level. Oh, whoa, Joseph. I just actually remembered from from when you were a teenager and I was, I was younger, you doing the Water Temple in Zelda and having to come back to it day after day in some cases and, you know, quickly flip a bunch of switches so you could get to the boss setting. Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah. well, I just do this thing for, for 10 minutes and then I get to the boss, but I have to redo it and and I redo it and redo it and redo it. And then I get frustrated. I turn off the machine and then I come back tomorrow and I do it and do it, do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're going to get existential, you know, beyond video games, there's also like, I, I just gave uh, a lecture on, um, you know, oh, pre-romantic literature in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again. Uh, for probably the, I don't know, 20th time. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've, I've done this lecture. Well, with my job, I, I, um, I used to run new employee orientation on a weekly basis mm-hmm. for, for a company. And it was... Yeah, I know this stuff. I wrote this four years ago, and I'm still saying mm-hmm. essentially the same things yeah. to every group. And yes, you're going to sign these papers, and then I'm going to sign as a as an observer. You know mm-hmm. that we went over everything for some of these for compliance reasons, and and then I'm going to file the papers. And so you know, every Monday for four years, I had the same day. <laughs> you know, essentially the same day. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's one thing that the the film. I think that is one reason why we like it is because to a degree we're all in a time mm-hmm. loop in some, in some aspect of our lives. There is something that we're repeating. For jobs, or, yeah. it's, or we've had times when there was a, yeah. a time loop. Right. I mean, people do that with their commute. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, I mean, when you, when you have an infant, it's like, here we go. Change another diaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so right, this I mean, year we're saying at a certain point, I think we all realize like we're, we're life. Yeah, we're just doing dishes and laundry till we die. Like that, that never ends. God, depressing. <laughs> Being an adult is just every week saying, "Okay, if we can just make it through this week, everything will be fine." Yeah, and only twenty-four more years till retirement. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if you wanna... this was lighter and funner when we were talking about the military bombing Puxatani. <laughs> what has happened? Right. Well, and then there's there's all these things that we do on autopilot. I mean, how many times have you tied your shoes? Mm-hmm. and and like it doesn't even register in your memory bank anymore that no. you that you did tie your shoes or what the process was well, i've had that like just driving home from work where it's like 
wait, was I conscious driving home? Yeah, like, I, how I'm did here I get now. Home? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember oh. anything about it. I don't remember the the music on the radio. I don't remember making that turn, but I did it. Well, that was I mean, that's more dry not so much now because I if I if I'm going in at a reasonable hour with a reasonable commute, it's not so bad. But there was a point where um where I was working like my job uh years ago was an hour, hour fifteen minute commute every morning. Um, mm-hmm. and I started at 8 a.m., which meant I left the house at 6.45, which meant I got up at 5. Um, I'm not a morning person. I'm, I'm very much not <laughs> no. a morning person. So, um, so I'm leaving, I'm, I'm leaving for work at, you know, 7 or 6.45, um, to get there in time. And there were many days where I, I mean, I'm sure I, functionally woke up somewhere in the middle of the trip right like i don't know how i got there (laughs) it was just just entirely i know how to drive from pittsburgh to cranberry in my sleep and (laughs) i was just doing Mm -hmm. that i guess like i i mean i I, i'm awake ish i guess but but functionally it was entirely just i'd done it so many times that it was it was an autopilot trip but yeah like in the brain science, it's like automatic or autonomic functions, the things that we can mm-hmm. do without thinking about them. They're, those are the autopilot things. And so we, I guess we have to assume that somehow that's maintained in Phil's mm-hmm. psyche. So like his, his brain, how like there's physical limitation to how much he can change, but clearly he must have his automatic or autonomic functions maintaining day to day so do you think he has an automatic function of like going and stealing the money like he's not even conscious of doing it he's oh i've got a bag of money like he he could do it at a certain point (laughs) without i would say without consciously activating it i would say the evidence of that is the card flicking because Mm -hmm. because with card flicking like i've i've done the you know i'm bored i'm just gonna throw these playing cards into a hat while i'm waiting for something right i've done i've played that game before Mm -hmm. and um the you know the joke on on the in the film is that he makes every shot and she can't do it and he's like yeah you know four or five hours a day for six months and you'll be a pro which means mm-hmm. that's what he, he did, did. That. that's yeah. that's what he's describing <laughs> right and and i you know i kind of you know i buy that right like because like when I, when I decided i wanted to get good at pool was in college where i had you know i lived on campus so i had access constant access to pool tables so I would just hang out and just, you know, shoot pool for free in my spare time. And that's how you get good at it. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you set up hard shots for yourself and you're just like, okay, let me try it again. Let me try it again. And if I run this bank shot, you know, a hundred times, I will get good at it. So, I mean, I, I guess that's, those are, those are automatic functions. And, and now, you know, if I don't play for a while, I'm, am, I, am I as good at pool as I was when I was playing every day? No, but I'm still pretty good. So, I, I mean, I think there's, I think there's something to that. There's like, I, like, I wonder if, you know, I can, I can probably walk from my childhood home to my grandparents' home in my sleep. I, neither of us, you know, my grandparents have been dead for years and I haven't lived in that house in 20 something years, but I probably still could mm-hmm. do it. Right. So the real question is if we could have gotten a brain scan from him before and after mm-hmm. that would be the, the real question. And is there, is there a capacity to how much the brain can store? There's a, there's a doctor who character played by, um, my, by Maisie Williams from, um, from game of Thrones. Um, she, for 
for reasons of doctor shenanigans, she develops immortality, but she is uh-huh. still but she is still human. So she um you know, after you know, she's thousands and thousands of years old and she is, you know, traveling the universe doing stuff, but her brain is human, so she can't remember various things from when, you know, she can't remember individual people from a thousand years ago because how would you, right? Like, and which makes sense because I have trouble remembering, you know, random people I went to elementary school unless they were like, you know, notable friends, or, but so. Yeah, or even um, like as professors, yeah. like I learned the names of every student in my class that mm-hmm. semester. If I <laughs> then, you, then students, you forget like, it two, two years later. Grading. It's like, ah, I remember you existing in my classroom. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> But I cannot because pull the name out right now. <laughs> right. Because, well, and, and I, especially after, you know, if it's been a couple of years, like I've, I've had people, hey, can you can you write a recommendation for me? I, I could, but you have to remind me who you are because <laughs> <laughs> which it, which is, you know, maybe you want to like it's weird because you want to you want to help the students. But like you're, it's easier for some than it is for others. And, and, you know, if you were really, really great that year and it was last year, that's. Awesome. <laughs> if it's been two years, uh, you better have been really great because I might have a little trouble with it. So. <laughs> um, I have a question that's a little outside of the, the Groundhog Day narrative. Mm-hmm. And that is, is 1993 one of the greatest fil- years of film history? Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm just going because uh, what stuck out is I was, you know, just touching base with Groundhog Day. I'm like, okay, that's 1993. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. We just talked about Tombstone on the protagonist podcast. That was a 1993 mm-hmm. film. Yes. And I know Jurassic Park and Schindler's List were both 1993. Cause that's the famous like double header from Steven Spielberg, just throwing down the right. gauntlet and saying, anyone want to challenge me? Anyone? Yes. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I don't know if to, the, I don't know if, if, if 1993 is like going to be the greatest film year, but it's, it's up there. I put, so I've heard people refer to 1997 as the, the greatest year in film. Mm-hmm. So let's compare the, the top five highest grossing. Well, I, well, I just want to run through. I, like, I've got the list of '93 because I don't know that all these are gonna be highest grossing, but they they're ones that are like still talked about. So, The Fugitive is '93. Yes. No, um, and I've got I, and I've got the, and I've got the highest grossing films li- okay. list up for '93. So, The Fugitive came in third. So, yeah, it okay. was up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Mrs. Doubtfire's in there. Like, uh, you know, it, it, it's got number, resonance. Number two, yeah, number Focus, number Focus. two in America. Oh, Hocus really? Pocus, was, Hocus Pocus was Hocus Pocus it was did a flop. not make the top 10. It flopped, but it became a critical, not a critical, it became cult. a cult classic. Yeah. 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 But one's, okay, speaking of cult classic, Nightmare Before Christmas is 93. Yes. Oh, man. Also, also not, not top 10, but a cult classic, yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Rudy, uh, again, like cult classic. Oh, like, wow. Like, was that 93? Yeah. Too? Wow. Sleepless Rudy's, in Seattle is 93. Sleepless, Sleepless in Seattle um, was number eight for that year. Yeah. Philadelphia. Okay. Number nine. Oh, so, yeah. there's, there's, I'm, I'm looking through there. the list now. Now to Army of Darkness. <laughs> um, lower, oh. but yes, also critical. I, it, and it's weird. It's weird that there's so many. There's so many cult classics. I wonder if part of it. Teenage is Mutant also... Ninja Turtles three. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one okay. thing back in time, right? That's a time travel Teenage Mutant. Super Mario yeah. Brothers. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Oh. <laughs> and see, here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if Last 1993 the Sandlot. The Sandlot. Yeah. Well, so, oh my gosh! But you're talking about 30 years ago, right? So is is it just that it's at the sweet spot that people who love those films are now middle are now like it, writing about the great films, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. I, like we're, 
we're we're at the right no. age where we can where we can go. Hey, you know these classic films from when I was between five and five and twenty years old. Are you, you saying know? there's a pop culture but, nostalgia cycle, math? But absolutely. but this is hit it like. These films that we're mentioning are something that affects all of us, and, and we have a span of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I, I mean, between I think like, me and Joseph alone, it's ten years. I mean, just those top, the like, like Schindler's List and Jurassic Park, like those are going to be talked about as yes parts of like film history. <laughs> That's just I'll, you know. I'll agree on those. I'll agree on those too. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. I... But I mean, I think, I and I think also though, the '90s are also notable in that the '90s are the beginning of a very serious film explosion right like where where the studio system is just entering like the blockbuster cycle starts in with star wars and jaws Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. um when star wars and jaws are coming out blockbusters are you have a new one every three months every four months you hit the 90s and studios are getting out of each other's way because all right you've got these two weeks and then it's time for a disney and then it's time for a fox and then it's yeah, time the, for the a cycle is just a little different there i think yeah. there's also got to be something about it that has to do with vhs release and rentals yeah. mm-hmm. like like yeah. blockbuster as a franchise because i'm seeing stuff where i'm like okay i know the vhs for this i don't know that i watched free willy ever um Robin Hood Men in Tights, but I'm like, but I know that these VHS were around and they were definitely in the rental rotation. You've seen Free Willy? <laughs> I mean, I probably were, did. It probably got put on, like, but right, but I didn't like right watch it when it I was 15. Okay. Well, it came out when I was when I was three. Right. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. I, I was I was thinking you were the right age to where I would figure it would just be floating around in a VHS state. Right. It, well, it, it's the kind of thing that like I I just expected your parents were like. Hey, watch this and don't bother us for you know. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, and that's probably how I saw it at some point before I was eight years old, and, and right, now right, I don't okay. remember it. So, so like, did I see it? Almost certainly. Yes. Uh, Secret Garden. I'm just looking through the Surf oh, Ninjas. Guess what? Guess what? In the short films, I, I remember we Surf had, Ninjas uh, way more than I should. Wallace and Gromit's <laughs> The Wrong Trousers came out in '93. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, yeah, and I, and I just, actually. Re- I recall watching that and because I'm in college in 93, 93, like I said, is my sophomore year. Um, so uh, age of innocence, I, I would have saw Wallace and Grummet's um, uh, the wrong trousers during the um, the animation shorts film festival at CMU. Like we, we, we would have they would have put on like, you know, come to watch movies in, in Doherty 2210, which is where movies played on campus. And we will toss, you know. Here's 15 shorts that we're going to watch that are probably going to be nominated for, nominated for Oscars and Globes and stuff. So, mm-hmm. so I would I would I would have watched that probably not in a real theater, but at least on campus. Cool All Runnings, right. <laughs> another cult classic. There, uh, oh, the yeah, best yeah, one. That was my first. That was my first. I was going to say, Matt, was that your first appearance on our podcast? Was cool I Runnings? believe so. Mm-hmm. Oh. Ah. Uh, Gettysburg came out in two or 1993, not 2003. Huh. Wow. See, um, I'm looking down this list now and I'm also I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I remember seeing like I remember I went and saw Fire in the Sky on. Is that the alien abduction movie? Yes. And I saw that once. I okay. was on it. I was on a date with uh, this guy from my Chaucer class and he wanted to go to the movie. He was blind. So I had to try and describe things to him when there wasn't dialogue and I'm like, how how do I describe some of this? Yeah, <laughs> there's some weird imagery in that film. Weird yeah, dis- stuff. 
that's not really a describing movie, is it? <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, I I don't remember. I don't remember it overly well. I mean, you know. <laughs> okay, the best picture list from that year, right. which hey. I'm going to say not all these are classic, oh, but we had Schindler's List, The Fugitive, In the Name of the Father, The Piano, and The Remains of the Day. That's the best picture list from 93. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mav, is there any of the top 10 that we haven't mentioned grossing-wise at the box office? Uh, uh, grossing-wise, Mrs. Doubtfire, I think we said, The Fugitive. Okay, so, uh, I mean, I can go real quick. Jurassic oh, Park, which by a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Then uh, Doubtfire... The Fugitive, Schindler's List, The Firm, which I actually like, but I get why other like it. It, it The Firm, I enjoyed. I enjoyed The Firm. That's a, a Tom film. Cruise legal yeah. thriller, right? It's, it's a Tom Cruise doing, yeah, Tom Cruise doing a doing a a, a Grisham, you know, legal thriller. Um, so he's got to run, you know. There's <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise is big on running in his films. It's before he was trying to actively kill himself with his movies, so there's no massive stunt. But uh, but it, <laughs> I I enjoy that film. Um, Indecent Proposal, another movie which I actually really like just from a concept. It's a high concept. It's literally, mm-hmm. you know, how if someone offered to offered you if you were hard up for money and someone offered you a million dollars to sleep with your wife or to sleep with you if you are the wife, would you take it? It's uh, mm-hmm. Demi Moore, uh, Robert Redford and, um, Woody, and Woody, Woody Harrison. Yeah. Very good film. Um, Cliffhanger, Sleepless in Seattle, which is just classic. Philadelphia again. Yeah, I think that's Oscar contention and the Pelican Brief. And Cliffhanger oh, yeah. actually helped sort of revitalize Stallone's career a bit because yeah. it had kind he of gone. Faltering. Yeah, after after you know over the Rocky top, Ford, which is a yeah <laughs> over the top underrated film over over the top. I like that's that. The arm Rhinestone, yeah, right? arm wrestling movie. <laughs> yeah. Rhinestone with Dolly Parton. Um. We've got We're Back. I, I'm picking, you know, the stuff when I was a kid. We're Back, a dinosaur story. Uh, I don't recall Joe, that at all, but you're younger, so I, I, have, yeah. I have no memory of that movie. It's, it's I've never part of the, the Don Bluth undermining of, of oh, Disney okay. in the <laughs> yes. late 80s yeah. into the I was early a, 90s. Okay, I, yeah, I'm a Don Bluth fan, fan. I just don't remember that one. Okay. Um, or, well, actually, let me double check. He's not actually, he's not actually directly involved, but it's like, it's the Spielberg Universal Okay. Animation stuff, you know, after Don Bluth. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Mask of the Phantasm is 93. Oh, I saw that in the right, This is a strong year. I think I'm, I'm comfortable saying this is a very strong year for mm-hmm. Hollywood. So let me give you some of the top things from, from 1997, because this is what I've heard other people talk about as, as the best year. Titanic, Jurassic Park, Lost World, Men in Black, mm-hmm. Tomorrow Never I Dies, Air Force One. It's, I don't think this is as strong. Mm-mm. No, ninety-seven can't possibly be as strong as ninety-three. Ninety-three's got to be the ultimate. What were the Oscar here. contenders no. in ninety-seven besides Titanic? As uh, good as it gets, *L.A. Confidential*, mm-hmm. *Full Monty*. Mm-hmm. Okay, now those are good. Yeah, and and *Titanic* and um, wait, *L.A. Confidential*, good as it gets, *Full Monty*. What was the other one? You're looking at it, I assume, and I can't. Do it um, I sorry, I already scrolled past it. <laughs> Um, uh, English patient was that ninety seven yes. or is that maybe? Wait, hold on, hold on. wait. Let's see, nineteen ninety seven. I'll just. I. I mean, as though yeah, I you, you double check because I was just glancing, <laughs> glancing through oh, some stuff you know in how, general. Sometimes when you look at it, it's like the, the what people are listing as ninety seven is really the like ninety six films. It was the oh, true. No, hold on. I think I might be on the ninety six films uh, that yeah, were well, actually were nominated for. Yeah, ninety seven was Titanic, as good as it gets. The Full Monty, Goodwill Hunting, that's what it was, and L.A. Confidential. Mm. Goodwill Hunting, mm-hmm. phenomenal film. So, mm-hmm. 
but not in 1993, yeah, the, the year of Groundhog yeah. Day. <laughs> I'm looking at this 1997 list, and I'm I'm finding way fewer things to bring up. 1993 has got to be the the greatest movie year. <laughs> of course, there's someone out there like 1938. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. All right. Is there when you're rewatching Groundhog Day, as yeah. we will do annually for the rest of time? Yes. Mm-hmm, is there something that you're particularly excited for to be coming up? Oh, particularly excited I, it for. varies i know that's it's definitely evolved throughout my life because mm-hmm. i've been watching this since i mean we had it on vhs probably by the time i was five and mm-hmm. we watched it every year at groundhog day it was from on, that time yeah. forward oh, yeah uh-huh um i like i've seen it with the commentary uh i always love harold ramus's performance as as the brain surgeon Mm-hmm. something about like the cadence of him listing off all the things that aren't wrong with him mm-hmm. is it, it's like perfectly written and perfectly performed mm-hmm. there's a rhythm to it and and like his hesitation as he looks at the x-rays and everything so i i love that um maver nicole anything that stands mm-hmm. out for you that you're like oh this part's coming up for me, it's not a particular part. Like it's just every time um, I watch it, like I said, I, I like smaller things. So like I, I'm interested in the stories of the non-main characters, right? Like so, like I get that Phil's on his journey, right? But what, what is Chris Elliott thinking during? The, like like there's a lot of weird <laughs> things happening around him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and I, I the, feel that every Chris Elliott's performance could could give you that response. <laughs> Right. Here? <laughs> right. And and this most recent time when I watched it, I was watching and 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 a character that I just hyper focused on is um the second woman that Phil goes on a date with. In the so, French maid outfit. <laughs> in the French maid outfit when he, he when he goes in, to see the western. He no, he yeah. doesn't go to see the western. He goes to see Heidi too. <laughs> he, he goes to see Heidi too, dressed as though he dressed in a spaghetti like he's in a western, western. In a spaghetti okay. western right. while his right. date right. is while his date is dressed like a French maid, and um and they you know he's got like a Ro- I think he's got a Rolls Royce that he clearly bought that day with money from robbing the bank, and th- like to me. No, she's only in that one scene, as opposed to Nancy, who you see, Nancy, the first woman he, he goes on a date with, you mm-hmm. see a couple of times. You see when he interviews her to figure out what to, what magic things to say to make her fall in love. You see their date. You see that you see her a couple of times later in the movie where he just runs mm-hmm. into her. But and she and she's in that scene because on their actual date, he'd asked her to marry him in order to get her to fall in love with him. And then um, when he's on the date with the woman in the French maid outfit, you know, he goes, hi, Nancy. And she's like looks at him like he's a stranger and and she and he goes and he goes um that was my old fiance she doesn't remember me you know like that, which is which is a funny line but but what i was focused on while watching it is not nancy and not phil i'm wondering what's the woman in the french maid outfit thinking this she's on this date that clearly this guy has swept her off her feet because how did we get to the point where she is willing to go out on a date with this person that she's never met while dressed as a sexy French maid, and he's mm-hmm. dressed as um, as Clint Eastwood in the Spaghetti Western, and they're going to see 
the movie Heidi too. Like clearly there's a story that went on to get her to this point in her life. And I want to know that story, but I mean, I don't, I don't need anybody to make a film of this. It's just like, like I can just think in my head is racing through, you know, what did he say? When do you, do you just walk up to this woman and say a bookstore and you're like, hi, you look lovely. Would you, would you like to go out with me tonight? And by the way, can you wear this naughty outfit? <laughs> like, like how she did, says, how did there? she says, she told me you told me it was party. a costume party. Yeah. Yeah, so. I know. I know. But she, and he lied, he clearly lied to her, but like where, but like, okay. So I have gone to costume parties like on Halloween or, or other days I've gone to costume parties with people that I was dating at that time, but I have never convinced someone whom I met to do it on a first date to go to a costume party for a first date and to wear their sexy costume. You know, like that, <laughs> that's the kind co- that's the costume I think you wear if uh, you're more comfortable with the person. Well, and also, <laughs> also, like we see her standing outside in what is notably a cold setting. <laughs> right, right. It's snowy. They're 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 trapped there because there's a blizzard coming on, and she's in a mini skirt and you know with you know, a ploofed up mini skirt with like you know high heels on, and she's wearing fishnets. Like she's this took some doing. So I want to know what this woman's life is that she was willing to do this. <laughs> like, I'm, and I, and I was very invested in it this morning uh, or this afternoon when I was watching it, and I'm like, how you know how did this happen? <laughs> and. And then there's a, the weird moment where he's buying the tickets. Mm-hmm. Okay, this I was gonna say. If the, I was gonna ask, is there anything you would change in the film? This one gag just to me feels outside of the rest of the comedy and yes. everything in the yeah. show. Where he makes the one aside of when, one when adult, and I guess it's two adults. Yes, and he looks Which at her like, weird. "Am I dating an underage girl?" Basically, and she's. I mean, she's clearly. It's not like she even looks. Um, I I looked up the actress. She would have been roughly like I, I, I just I, I looked her up on IMDb and she would have been 30 something the same as Annie McDowell. Like she doesn't it's not like she looks like she's 17 or anything like that. She's no. she's clearly an adult woman. <laughs> you know, I don't like like yeah. like why would you think that it, it is a, it is a weird a weird joke to make. And I which makes to me it screams Bill Murray ad lib this and it just made the final mm-hmm. cut somehow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, to and me, I don't to know why. <laughs> well, lots of things that I think he ad libbed wind up wound up making the uh, final cut, and plenty of them are brilliant. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, he is um, a real life puck type character, <laughs> referencing mm-hmm. the earlier trickster, where he can be immensely difficult to work with, uh, but also bring great joy to people at the same time. It seems mm-hmm. from all the stories that I, that I read about him, and including during the making of this film, he was. At times problematic mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and difficult. Uh, and, and like the whole filming process for this just sounds like it was so difficult because well, like reportedly they didn't know what kind of weather they would get. So any day where it was like the same weather as the previous day, they went and grabbed as many scenes as they could. Where it's like, okay, it's overcast. Yeah. Everyone goes, I do the overcast this shooting and the next mm-hmm. day it's, it's, it's clear sky. Okay. Everyone go out and do, do these scenes with the, with the clear sky. So they were repeating mm-hmm. not just the time loop stuff, but repeating you know the same scenes for the time loop stuff depending on what weather was out there mm-hmm. and it seems like he he may have been a, a bit difficult uh <laughs> and yet he's also giving what i know at one point harold ramus called this like easily his greatest performance it'll never top it and bill Murray's like thanks harold yeah. 
<laughs> for for putting the the end on my career right there. <laughs> but I agree that this is his best performance. Um, uh, I don't know that I, I don't know that I think it's his best, but I, I it's up there. I mean, I, yeah, Bill Murray is a very problematic individual who is a really really good actor. Uh, he 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 is an excellent actor, and I I enjoy the character in this. Probably as as far as the acting goes, as far as and his comedic performances, this might be his finest comedic performance. It's a lot more than like Ghostbusters. He's just doing. Here's another yeah. joke. Here's another he's being joke. Bill Murray. He's, he's being Bill Murray, and it's just slapstick. But like I, I mean, like My- he's he's very good in Lost in Translation. Um. It's I don't know my favorite a weird bit in film, this one. but he's yeah, but he's good. This one was when when he's trying to talk to her about you know, well, it's a million miles from where from where I was in college, and you know, I studied nineteenth century French poetry, and he just starts laughing. What a waste of time! And then realizes, <laughs> oh shit! And then I- it immediately cuts to the second, the next one, and he's reciting a poem in French. And I'm thinking, oh my god, he had to spend so much time in between learning French in order to get yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not the next day. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of library time. Yes, but I just talking. About I just his love the way he's. It's yeah. it's a very natural reaction laugh that he immediately tries to smother and cover, and it mm. just that that bit always just cracks me up. I was gonna say when when talking about like what is like showing that he's a good actor that was immediately combined both the laugh and then the next one where he gives the pause and like looks up and, and closes his eyes and starts reciting the uh, French. Jackie, <laughs> affair. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, I I took French for a whole semester just for just to get like the language requirement out, uh, out of the way for my degree. And I, I can't do that. So, so he definitely, so he definitely spent like, you know, a while. Cause it's not even just French. It's French poetry. That's difficult. Yeah. That's not a, the, like to actually get it and to get it well enough to impress someone who, who studied, who, who studied has it. studied yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a, that is a lot of work. Yes. And I, uh, you know, Nicole, did we get something that you look forward to when you're rewatching Groundhog Day? Well, I, I, I admit, I, I, <laughs> I love that part. But the other scene, I, I, there's always like these little things that are kind of my favorite, like when he's trying to, you know, uh, buy her the drink, and you know, she, she orders hers, and so the next time he orders that, you know, mm-hmm. sweet vermouth on the rocks with the twist. Oh, that's, that's my favorite drink. That's, that's and, and then, then, then he takes when he, a when he sip. Drinks it. Yes. And he, and again, he's like, oh, you can just see him want to go. But he immediately, you know, tries to smile. That and Chokes my favorite like, when he, mm-hmm. when he catches the kid is falling out of the tree. What do you say? Never, what do you say? You have that. not he thanked me once. I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe. Maybe. I love that moment because. This is this is that's late in the movie. This is the Bill Murray. I mean, this is the Phil rather. I am the Bill Murray. Um, this is the Phil Connors who actually cares about who's people. a good guy. Who's, right. He's a good guy now. He, he and he's, he's still not, doing that. Right. He's not trying to get he's not trying to get um, Rita into bed anymore. He's not trying to be like rich. It's, mm-hmm. This is post the old man dying. This is the this is just the Phil Connors who just goes, you know, on my day, nobody dies on my day. Everybody, you know, uh, just if, I, if mm-hmm. I'm stuck in this day, I'm going to be the superhero of this day. So he is 
unabashedly good and not, you know, like like he's like he doesn't have to run to catch the kid. If he misses the kid, for all he knows, he'll be able to catch him tomorrow. But he's running to catch the kid because mm-hmm. because it's just his job. So he is very into mm-hmm. being a good guy here and yet not being thanked. <laughs> Still, <there's, laughs> it's just like that moment. Well, and that that moment now that you're talking about it is like okay that is an interesting like microcosm because it's not like he's trying to save the kid because it's like well if i do enough good things i'll get out of this he has no concept of getting out of this mm-hmm. it's right that kid will be worse off for the rest of today if i don't do this and i'm the person who can do this and it'll it'll make things better for this kid for the rest of the day because he i think day. because it because it's after the old man dying so much he's like okay I've got this day. Like mm-hmm. I can help some people have a better day today. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's it. It's, it's like, like you said, he doesn't know that he's going to not have to catch the kid again. Right. He doesn't know that, that it's like, Oh no, this means that the kid doesn't have a broken leg tomorrow. It's, it's really just for one day. Right. I'm as far as he knows, it's going to reset. To, it's going to reset tonight. So he, it doesn't actually matter. But it does, which I think is what's supposed to make him the good person, right? Like mm-hmm. he, assuming it's being good that trap that breaks him out of the loop, because I don't know that it is. Maybe it's um, maybe it's that he fell in love. Maybe it's that he's good. I don't know why he breaks out of the loop, but he doesn't. It, it really is about just being. You know, he has a whole conversation about am I am I God? Well, he's God of today. He's God of Groundhog Day, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, guess. and and if you have that, what good can you do? Even if it is just for today, right? I, so, so I think one of the things is is that he took that perspective and was like, "I'm gonna, I can do as as much good for as many people, and it'll make their days better, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't make their lives better. It it really is just today. These people are not gonna have to deal with the flat tire today. <laughs> he's not gonna choke on the steak, and I don't right. think he's necessarily even trying. Like, I'm gonna do as much good as I can today, just to see." What it is, it it really is like even if it is only for today, mm-hmm. it's selfless. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's showing he has become selfless. Like the, he literally has changed who he is by being stuck there for thousands of years. Uh, you know, I think on the conservative estimates of how much time <laughs> it would take for him to do everything that he does. Mm-hmm. I think I think Ramus once said that it that he imagined it was about like forty or fifty years. Uh-huh. Um, he, although he said other a people have. Things. Other people have mm-hmm. suggested, like you said, that it was like 10,000 years. Yeah. Ramus, Ramus made a comment. So Ramus made a comment, I think, pretty early on that it was like 40 or 50 years. And then much later revised it when he was when he was like, when you think about it. And he like referred to papers that had been written and people had. Yeah, people have like have have been trying to figure this out. And mm-hmm. he's like, uh, conservative estimate is probably several thousand years. <laughs> you know, oh, but, OK, but he was like. Yeah, yeah, it's like he 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 knew, but he knew that people had been trying to figure it out on the internet, and I don't think, like, I don't think he cared like that much, other than mm-hmm. like, well, you know, if somebody's going to interview me, I don't want to ruin their fun. I think that's probably where yeah. he was. <laughs> earlier, I, earlier we referred to it as as like a ground day Groundhog Day story. Is mm-hmm. there anything that predates Groundhog Day with this? Yes, the time loop. Yes, yeah, there's tons of them. Um, I think that's probably the most famous. So if you, and you know, perhaps we should link in the show notes. Um, there's a TV trope um, page that refers to 
other versions of this on in film on tv and books but you know there's like uh there's the 1973 short story 1201 that has been adapted into a film um mm -hmm. there's um there's um several movies that do it and um and tv shows but also there's just you know there's just lots of there's lots of books that do this I think um, I think uh, I, I, one that I've seen referenced several times as like maybe the first is a Russian novel called Strange Life of Ivan Osokin, where mm -hmm. the main character relives. But it's his, he's relives his entire life uh, in the novel mm -hmm. uh, and is trying to, like, redirect things from mm. after his first. Well, first but, but somehow Groundhog Day becomes like retroactively. It's like, well, yeah, we're going to refer to it as Groundhog Day. Right. Because it, right. it is like I think other stuff like so. Currently, and that that in, Russian novel is nineteen fifteen. Uh, yeah, so yeah, and I was gonna say, and there are currently like in in X Men comics right now. That's the story of Moira McTaggart. Is she is she is reliving her life over and over again, but she gets her entire life. And then there's 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 I think there was there's a time loop next generation episode. That's a time loop episode. That's before Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. And there's time travel and there's time loops that exist in the novel, the time machine. But like, I think what makes Groundhog Day special is it's the first one. It's the first film that's notable where this is the entire concept. It's this is not like, hey, Doctor Who is trapped in a time loop for this episode or anything like that. This is no time. The time loop is the story. This is just the story of a guy in a time loop. So and it's I uh, I, it's interesting because it is about someone breaking out of the time loop but it's also not about the time loop it's, it does not care about the mechanics of right. why he is stuck right. in the time loop and i think it is a much better choice to not mm -hmm. worry about that it, for this story there's plenty of those mm -hmm. that we've mentioned that are good that deal with like how, how do we break out of it and uh but i i love for this story it's just he ended up living a selfless day and that's how he gets out as far as we can tell <laughs> i mean the, the, when he lives the selfless day that's when he gets out uh but it's all hand wavy as far as like the magical realism of what got him there and what goes away. I know Harold Ramis said, um, and I've also heard Stephen Tobolowsky talk about this, that basically like every religion on earth has told them, you must believe <laughs> in, yeah. in our faith. Cause we, cause we can use this story so well to teach some of the morals and principles of our faith. <laughs> so you must be influenced by our philosophy. And they're like that. I love they, they all say like, I love that this has such a wide breadth of issue, mm -hmm. but we were not leaning into any particular theology uh, or moral philosophy <laughs> when we, we were making this. Yeah. I mean, um, so uh, I believe, I think it was Ramus because um, Ramus wrote it as well as directed it. Right. Mm -hmm. He did. Yeah. He did he, well, he co some co writing on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There was so, an initial script that was getting much more into the mechanics of how and why someone well, stuck in the time loop. And, it, and when Ramus took over, my understanding is he took all that out. Mm -hmm. I I remember there a, a vague story about like it came about when just someone thinking about the idea of immortality based on like vampireless stat, not right, which right. is not a time yes. travel movie at all, but just a but just a the idea in Anne Rice's in Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicle series, a lot of what happens with Lestat is just he's not really a bad guy, he's just bored because it's been hundreds of years and like how just like life has no meaning when you can't die so that's where that's where um that idea apparently was the seed of well maybe mm -hmm. it's not your maybe you're not immortal maybe you just keep repeating the same day so he's effectively immortal but like that that was that's my dude read a book yeah. well he does read books you see him no i mean list you know, that 
<laughs> oh yeah. Oh, was that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do not have enough time myself. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm only ever going to be able to read everything I want to read if they, you know, I can eventually download my brain into a cyborg body. But mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I do want to. It, it feels weird. I, I guess I did get a reference in, but it feels weird to not mention Ned Ryerson in a Groundhog Day discussion. <laughs> <laughs> the Stephen Tobolowsky performance is something to behold. Bing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, if if you want, we can do this again next year. But does anyone have any final I don't think thoughts? We need, I don't think we need to do final thoughts. I think if we have final thoughts, we bring them back in the future. Right. <laughs> we're going to be back doing this again. As we did these last wouldn't year. these wouldn't be the final thoughts anyway. We're right. going to think about it again. Any yeah. 2023 thoughts that anyone wants to get in? <laughs> the fun i'm i'm glad we do this every year because this is fun so like you know for the listeners if this is your first Mm -hmm. time listening to uh to ground pod to ground pod day that's what our show's called right yeah ground pod day that's what we've always called Mm -hmm. it um then please come back next year and 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 listen to us again and i mean i guess if you can't wait you can listen to our other shows we 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 do do other (laughs) podcasts or you just do a ground you 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 do it like groundhog day and you just listen to this one on repeat (laughs) Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Until next year. Let us know in the comments if you're listening to this show more more than once. <laughs> uh, Mav, what other what other podcasts would you recommend? Would I recommend or that I'm on? <laughs> I, I know you're going to recommend the you're on, right? That's the, the implication. I, I assumed that was a Venn diagram of a circle I, I, right there. No, 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 no. I re- I recommend many, many podcasts. I'm it's, I'm not actually. Despite my it's more like a target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are in a perfect world, I'm on every podcast every week. But besides this one, um, I am also regularly on both the Vox Popcast, which is V O X P O P C A S T um, dot com. So the Vox Popcast, where we where we do a weekly pseudo academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. Um, everyone on this show has been a guest on that. And I am a uh, co-host also on Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow, which is a a weekly analysis of the, you know, talking about being out of time, the um, the 1990s comic book series Excalibur, which is a British spinoff of the X-Men that ran for a decade that we every week we um, focus on another new issue or not new issue, 10 year old, 20. Wow. Wow, I just realized what year it was. Uh, 20 to 30-year-old episode of of that comic, and we do a deep dive analysis of that. And then sometimes I'm on other shows. Uh, Andrew, any any podcasts you want to uh, plug? Uh, Disney Animation Minute Essentials, which is which is one of mine, and then I'll let you handle the other one. All right, the protagonist podcast is where each week we talk about a great character in a great story, and uh, we rotate through talking about films, TV shows, uh, novels, and comic books every month. Uh, Nicole, anything you want to plug while you're here? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, Mav's going to give me some tips. I will. Uh, I will be starting a podcast later this year. So uh, then, uh, then I will, of course, you will be cordially invited uh, to come <laughs> on uh, if there is a topic which interests you. So, mm-hmm. all right, and we'll talk about your show next year on this yes, show that we absolutely yeah, on, on <laughs> Crowd Pod Day. <laughs> yes. 
Nicole's also frequently on Box Podcast. Um, she was on yes. um, last week, definitely, me, and I believe next week, podcast time travel is weird, even though, <laughs> even though we've been talking and, about and, time And before travel. the next episode of Ground Pod Day, she will be on the protagonist yes. podcast. Right. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, until next year, so long. <laughs> Happy Ground Pod Day. <laughs>